Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Give you the hot sauce, the new version of the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast, episode number 21. You think about some of the great number 21s in the course of sports history, Roberto Clemente, Tim Duncan, Sammy Sosa, and the great Deion Sanders. But when it's 21 and it's Stacey King's podcast, there's only one number that matters. Stacey King broke into the NBA wearing number 21. Does it bring back some good memories? <laughs> Ouch. Oh, you went 34 I first. I wore 34 first, Sweet. and then I switched to 21. I wanted 33, but Scottie Pippen wanted to charge me like 200000 to wear 33. <laughs> and I was like, as much as I love 33, I've had it since I was a child. All my brothers wore those, those that number. I said, uh, you can have that. <laughs> I'm not paying no 200000 for no jersey number. So I took 34 because that was my second favorite player, um, Lynn Bias. Um, so I really, really, you know, he was a big, I was a big fan of Lynn Bias. So I took 34 to honor him the first year. And then I switched to 21. The whole gang is here. Timmy Whispers has recovered from his Florida sunburn. We're going to talk some MMA, which is one of his uh, strong suits. Yes. He didn't win any fights. Oh, yeah. Your episode. Telling tell stories <laughs> of his ass whoopings. <laughs> I got a lot of them. A lot of knockouts, but they were me. <laughs> we have a very special guest coming up in our next segment. Curtis Razor Blades, one of the top Razor. ranked UFC heavyweight contenders. He's a Chicago area guy. I look forward to catching up with him. We want to start things off by thanking our great sponsors at Bubble Up. Of course, it's the cloud reimagined, the new way to visually organize any kind of content all in one place. The NBA trade deadline is coming up on Thursday. We are recording episode number 21 on Tuesday evening, which means the beer is flowing. Tim, you don't have the keg, keg going again, do you? Yes, we do. Oh, yeah, we do. We just oh, restocked okay. Yes, we, we restocked. Changed. Yeah, we changed out a keg. He, he was struggling, though. Well, I saw you serving oh, bottles and cans. I thought maybe the keg was out. <laughs> no, the king brings his own. I'm bringing my own right now. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, to honor St. Patrick's Day. And Black History Month. And Black History Month. <laughs> I decided to go with the snake bite again. again. Oh, yes. <laughs> Dark and light, as you can see right here. I, let me be there. Yeah, there you go. Say that there. Because it was so much fun Yeah, it was last so week. much fun. It was so much fun. So I decided to stretch St. Patrick's Day another week. 
And if you haven't we followed just saw, us, wait, we just saw Phil Collins come in. <laughs> yes, he's, he's Phil here. Collins. Take, he made it. Oh, he's checking the camera. Make sure it works right. Phil Collins, come on in. Come on in. Studio. I can feel it coming in the air Come on, get him on camera. Say hi to all the folks on YouTube. He's got to come by you. Come over here. Come over here. Come on in, Steve. No, no, come here, Steve. I want everybody to see you. Everyone's shy until the beer starts flowing. Come on, man. Well, he didn't want to come. Phil Collins didn't want to. He does special guest in studio later. Phil Collins. Yeah, Phil Collins. Yeah, we've got the show rolling on YouTube on a weekly basis now, so make sure to check that out. So hello, everybody, on YouTube, and we're on all the major podcast carriers. We're also now in 39 countries, so you know, subtitles. I don't know how exactly it's translated, but it, it works somehow. Yeah, I mean, they're... Well, first who, who's all, playing the part of Stinger? You know, that's what I, I don't know. Some, yeah, some, <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know who's playing the part of that. How does that translate? Yeah, how does that translate? Who's Rondo. playing Timmy Whispers? Rondo, some guy in, in Finland is going into his bin looking for cards. <laughs> do we, do we hockey cards or what? I, I do have hockey cards. Yeah, I do. Ice skating. Yeah. Ice skating. And a sling. Yep. yep. He's sitting I, out there all I told you, I have lathered set, up. I think I have a 74 Bobby Orr I can bring in just to show you. Again. Uh, you know what? Before we even get <laughs> started, before Orr. we get started, we're at the Nautilus Studios here, okay? We're, yep. we're in private Nautilus Studios here, okay? Right. I want to know what happened to security, okay? Because Phil Collins just walked in. It could have been an assassination <laughs> attempt. Where's our security? Did we have to say anybody can just Frank Farmer? Did he I don't know. Where's Frank Farmer? Yeah, where where where's our bodyguard at? Because you just can't have people walk in and out. We need security here. He was wow. Telling, he was well, you, telling Stinger he had too much MCT oil. Yeah. <laughs> you actually locked me out because I had a good, Was that you? Yeah, I was knocking on the door. Oh, I didn't know that was you. Yeah. I locked the door. Yeah, you did lock the hey, door. Listen, man, man, there's a lot of craziness going on out in the world, baby. I don't I don't trust anybody. I'm locking doors. Well, we have Curtis Razor Blades. He can help us with security, right, later? Well, okay, well unfortunately, he's on Zoom. So how's that going to help us? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, by the time he gets here, yeah, if we're, we're, attack, all, we're, we're all, yeah, we're it's all, all done. It's all over. <laughs> that might still work with Curtis. He might not even know the address coming from Zoom. What? <laughs> what? Well, we're going to be talking mixed martial arts in our next segment. We start off with uh, taking a look around the NBA. As we mentioned, the trade deadline is coming up on Thursday, and all of a sudden we're hearing a number of rumors involving the Chicago Bulls. So, of course, they've made it pretty clear they're not going to trade Thad Young. He's so important to this team in terms of what he does on the court and also his leadership in the locker room. Heard yesterday that he stayed afterwards to talk to Kobe White and Wendell Carter Jr. just to keep their spirits up, saying, "I know you know you're coming off the bench now. Your minutes are limited a little bit, but you got to make the most of it. Don't get you, don't hang your head." That's the mark of a good veteran. I mean, taking two young players over and, and letting them know because they're a little down right now. Yeah, you know their confidence is a little shaken. You can see it in the last few ball games, and I think they're pressing. I think they're pressing hard because they want to get back in the starting lineup. But the way you get back in the starting lineup, and you know this, Mark, and is is that you got to execute. You got to go out there and you got to move the basketball, pass and cut, make the right basketball plays, and rebound the basketball. If you're Wendell Carter Jr., rebound like a mad demon. If you look at Daniel Gafford coming into games now, you know he's now realized like, hey, in order to get some playing time to get in this rotation, I got to play defense and I got to rebound. I got to be big, and he's starting to get some minutes also. We mentioned our international coverage or one of the top-ranked basketball podcasts in Finland. So all the folks in Finland, send some cards and letters to your friend Larry Markin and cheer him up a little bit. He had a tough game against Utah the other night. He was one for 10, and Billy let him sit for a long time in the second half. I guess that's part of the growth process. This is Lowry's fourth year, but he's still a very young player. Lowry is right now has to, to find easier ways to score. He has to get back to cutting to the basket dive cut to the basket, posting up, 
and he's kind of reverted back to just kind of floating around on the three-point line. I mean, he's shooting the three ball, you know, a lot better than he did last year, but he's relying <clears throat> he's relying so much on that and you can't do that. You got to you got to, you know, you're 7 feet. You know, get offensive rebounds. Get in there and 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 post up. You know, dive cut. You know, because when you got when you're playing with Thaddeus Young, if you cut hard, he's going to get you the ball. Those are going to be easy baskets. And so, uh, he's just got to get himself going. You know, I, I, you know, you're you're in a situation right now where you are a focal point in this offense, and every single night you should count on yourself to be able to get 15 shots a night. You should get 15 or more shots a night. If you're Lowry marketing, you're the second option behind Zach Levine. You you've got to get 15 shots a night. And in the game against Detroit on Sunday, which the bulls won pretty easily, Patrick Williams, I believe was five for five, four of them were dunks because he did exactly that. He cut hard to the basket, got a pass and was able to finish easily at the well, He's starting to play much more aggressive. I mean, even last night, you know, I know he didn't have the a good game, but he was aggressive offensively and that's what they need him to do they need him to be aggressive you know listen he's a rookie there's going to be ups and downs you can expect that from any rookie okay it's the guys who've been in this league four and five years you guys have those guys should have already figured it out Patrick is still trying to figure it out so when when he gives you a good game that's a bonus you know what I'm saying he has the potential to do it consistently but he's got to figure out the league he's got to figure out you know when he can get his shot where he gets his shot when to be aggressive and all that's tough for a 19 year old but the guys who are, you know, 23, 24, 25, it's got four or five years experience. You're not trying to figure out the league right now. You should already know. As we mentioned, the trade deadline coming up, do you anticipate the Bulls doing something? You think they'll try to add to this to try to get into the playoffs? Or do you think uh, AK is just going to use the rest of the year to evaluate and make his big moves in the summer? Well, you hear Lonzo Ball's name. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I... That'd be a good get. I mean, I, I would... I would jump at that chance, but you know, I'm not the GM. So I'm, you know, I'm just a man sitting next to the man sitting next to the man. Okay. <laughs> so, so my opinion doesn't count, but just watching this team, it's clear they need a point guard. It's, it's clear. I mean, Sato is, is doing his best, you know, and he, he would be a good backup, you know, but as far as a lead guard, I mean, look what Chris Paul has done for Phoenix, you know, take away the bubble last year when that, that team, that young team really dominated the bubble. Now you mm -hmm. add Chris Paul to the mix that clearly shows you, if you get a guard like that, that can change your force. He did in Oklahoma city last year. So it's back to back yeah. years where he has turned the franchise that he's playing with around. Speaking of GMs, did you guys see this uh, picture on social media of uh, the former Bulls general manager, Gar Foreman? He was at the Michigan LSU game. He was in the middle of a whole throng of Michigan fans, rabid fans going crazy, and Gar's looking at his phone in the middle of them. He, he's, a scout, really? he's a scout for the Pelicans now. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's scouting and, for the Pelicans. And so Pelicans. he's obviously scouting Cam Thomas and Franz Wagner and some other guys who were in, in the tournament. But it was it's just the funniest thing. Here you got Gar, All business. Yeah, all this maize and blue going crazy that their team won the game, and Gar's looking at his phone. But that's, uh, that's neither here nor there. The other investigation we want to get to the bottom of, Adam Amin brought this up on, on the telecast yesterday about the uh, the Duncan donuts thing he suggested that you might have some inside information on you know what that, that, you know what I, you know what that's just a sore loser okay <laughs> you know when he was winning early in the year and he was dominating i didn't say anything right i right. didn't i didn't question i just say he's picking the right one it's like picking yeah. a horse race you know but then you know i put a 15 game win streak up with it and now they're questioning me okay i have no inside information you don't have michael jordan's no, old no, source no, or no, no 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 that no that no 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 but i i <laughs> i study the race i study the race and i i just have a feeling you know it's all like i'll go to the i go to work and i'm like man i need a coffee okay. i'm gonna go with cuppy coffee today you know or if i'm hungry 
Oh man, that doesn't sound um, like studying. That just know, sounds like I mean, like what the track is you know wet. What? It's an yeah. off track. You know what? You know, first of all, first of all, uh, Stinger. Okay, <laughs> you interrupt me again. You interrupt me again. I'm gonna throat punch you. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna start the MMA off early here in segment one. Okay? <laughs> in the first segment, yeah, okay. the first okay. segment. Okay, but yeah, no, I, I didn't appreciate Adam calling me out like that. You know, but you know when you're you're sore loser, sore loser, man. And he he ended up going with me yesterday with Dashing Donut. Yeah, and we won. So now it's like okay, so now you won. Hop uh, on yeah. the bandwagon. But when yeah. he was beating me like 15 to 3, oh, it <laughs> was, was oh, said, yeah. nothing was said. Yeah, okay, buddy. Okay. Well, the other thing you were talking about in our, our pre-show Zoom meeting yesterday was about Blake Griffin dunking in the game Sunday. You said Blake is coming at us, huh? Yes, yes. You know what? I, not you, you know, us. No, no not, not me, because yeah. I'm a Sooner, okay? Yeah. Sooner and, for uh, life. So talking to Blake, you know, he just wanted to send a message to <laughs> you guys that he didn't appreciate you, like, you know, making, making fun of him, saying he hadn't dunked in two years. We all knew that. Right. But you guys took it to another level. Okay, you, you took it to another level. Tell me, he couldn't dunk I, over. I he couldn't that. dunk over a we, dollar bill. He couldn't dunk over. Couldn't dunk over a notebook. I mean, all kind of things. Okay, and I don't remember yeah. saying any of that. We yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I, think I might have said that. Yeah. Oh, so Mark <laughs> said it. Yeah. So, so, so Blake sent a message. He's like, uh, if you really want to see him dunk, why don't you stand under the rim? Yeah. And, uh, I'll, get yeah, to, yeah. I'll get the throat yeah. punch like Wendell got yesterday from uh, Gobert. <laughs> that was pretty nasty. Wendell didn't come back after that one. Nah, he that was nasty, man. That that looked like it hurt. Yeah, I mean he and they didn't give him a flagrant. They give him a flagrant uh, yeah, for everything. Yeah, that, that should have been a flagrant foul. Yeah. I mean it, it, they've been very consistent with the neck up. You know, all for the last few years since they implemented that rule. And that was the first time that I've ever seen them not call that a flagrant foul or something like yeah. that, a flagrant foul. So it was unfortunate for Wendell. But, you know, those those plays back, you know, I always say about in the 90s, you know, if I would have been on, on Wendell's team and I just saw him do that, he, oh, he's getting it. <laughs> you hurt one of my players like that, oh, we're, we're getting you. We may not get you right then and there because the officials are waiting for it. But I'm getting you somewhere during that game. I'm going to get you. In the game. Yeah, in, in the that, game. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Yeah, it's payback. Yeah, somewhere yeah. Uh, Kurt Rambis and Kevin McHale were going, what's the big deal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They almost kill each yeah, other yeah. in the playoff Mahorn series. Way back and, when. you know, Lane Beard. Wow, that wasn't a foul. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, let's talk about the trade deadline coming up. There's a lot of reports that the Boston Celtics might be ready to do something big, and they probably should because Danny Ainge has admitted he hasn't done a great job as the general manager. You know, they've got two all-stars in Brown and Tatum, and yet I think they're a game under 500 as we tape. Yeah. You know, they're just not playing well. There's there's reports that they may trade Marcus Smart, who had once been considered the heart and soul of that team, to Orlando in a package deal to try to get Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier up to Boston. That'd be big for Boston. That would be huge. Uh, I mean, you're getting a guy who's about 24, 25 years old, younger, um, athletic, can guard, you know, multiple positions, you know, can shoot the three, shooting over 40% from the three-point line. Um, you know, I mean, that that would be a huge get for them. And then Fournier, who's, you know, probably one of the most underrated two guards in the league. You know, guy that can get to the basket, go through contact score. He can shoot the three. He can pass the ball. I mean, that that, that would be a huge, huge get because they got all those first-round picks. Right. So, you know, you know, this is when those first-round picks become like the golden tickets. And they also have the trade exception from the Gordon Hayward deal, so they don't have to match salaries, which makes it a lot easier. Well, it'll be interesting because they're coming to Milwaukee. Right, for back a to back yeah. miniseries. So we'll see how they stack up. Yeah, Milwaukee's hot. What do they want, eight in a row now? Yeah, eight in a row. And they know Giannis last They night. destroyed Indiana without Giannis. It was amazing. Well, how many threes did they make in that game? Oh, a they, ton of them. They, and they, they, were, they, they were had just, 35 assists. 48 so. points in the first quarter. Kind of, kind of makes you wonder about the whole MVP <laughs> thing, which is 
up for grabs now hey. that LeBron James is out probably for two or three weeks with 22 threes, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you right now. It was my first look at Utah last night. Yeah. And I was highly impressed with them. I, they shot, <laughs> I'm tell, they shoot the three ball probably the best I've seen this year and consistently shoots the three ball. Yeah. I mean, you've got Joe Ingles shooting over 40% from the three-point line. Donovan, Donovan Mitchell is a stud. Like, he can get his shot anytime he wants. He can handle the ball. He can pass. Um, they shot better from threes than they did twos. And that was, we were yeah. looking at the stats, we were like, oh my goodness. You know, then you got a rim protector in Rudy Gobert who missed a triple-double last night. He had uh, he had double-digit points, rebounds, and missed a uh, block by one. And they put him back in to they try tried, to get that 10th block. Yeah. Man, yeah. That was, yeah. And he almost, he was questionable going into the game, and yeah. they put him back in they to try to get in. a triple-double. Well, it's, it's, it's no worse than what LeBron did. You know, oh, yeah, he stayed in the game you after turn, the ankle You turn your ankle, you're supposed to be gotta out. Got to get my 10 points. You got to get your double-digit points to yeah. keep your streak alive, and then you limp off into the locker room. Now you're out for like a month. <laughs> <laughs> but, the yeah. stat, but the stats don't matter. Nobody's no. looking at yeah, it. No one's playing one's for <laughs> stats. No one's playing for yeah. stats. Yeah. It was 24 threes last night. I just double-checked uh, for and, the And Milwaukee. Drew Holiday finally looked at the looked yeah, like the guy Milwaukee. that they were hoping to get when they made that. They gave up a ton to get Drew Holiday Well, he Holiday had 14 assists, 28 points. What did I say, though? Giannis didn't play, right? Yeah. Okay. Drew Holiday got to be a point guard. Yeah. yeah exactly. Drew Holiday got to get everybody we involved. We talked that about that. That was the difference. Yeah. And, and if you're the coaching staff, you should be looking at this. Yeah. Because most people would think, well, Giannis is not going to play. They're going to get blown out. Okay. No, yeah. they're not. Yeah. No, they're not. Because now you've got a point guard. I've been saying this all along with him. Get the ball out of Giannis's hands. Let mm -hmm. someone else, let Drew Holiday be the point guard that he's supposed to be. 14 assists. With with that team, they hit twenty three threes. Come on, man! Yeah, let me ask you a question, King. Is it helpful to get? Because I noticed, like off the start, you know, right? You know, they got Connaughton involved, Brooke Lopez. How important is that? Like when you played with Jordan, like you know, obviously he scored bulk and took a lot of shots. But do you think that's you important? Think? Do you think that's important <laughs> though? Early on in the first quarter, does that help guys that aren't the you know to get them involved early? Well, what we always try to do with Bill Cartwright is establish the post early. You know, get the ball inside, run the offense through Bill, and get us going a little bit, you know. And then the offense takes care of itself, you know, because MJ could get his shot anytime he wanted to. But there was other guys, you know, Paxson, you know, uh, BJ, you know, you know, everybody had, you know, a more difficult time getting shots within that offense, you know, because there's a lot of movement, a lot of screens, and, and uh, MJ would break the offense. You know, he would break the offense and get his shot. But we couldn't break the offense and right. get our shots. So that was harder for all of us. Even though we could get our own shots, we couldn't just get the ball and just go. You know, where MJ could do that, Scotty could do that, and the rest of us had to run a structured system and, you know, five touches. Right. <laughs> okay, I'm in position to score now. You know, now it's new for me because coming yeah. from college, you know, I shot almost every time I got it. That was like a black hole. I'm not going to lie. That ball came inside. We heard that from yeah, the Grants. Yeah, Harvey Grant yeah. told us that. Yeah, Harvey, yeah. you know what Harvey should Harvey should even be yeah. talking trash because he was the other black hole. There was two black holes in that paint. If that ball came into any part of that paint, that shot was going Didn't he up. compare him to Jordan at one point? In our yeah, yeah, he did. You know yeah, okay. what? No, no, he was comparing me to Jordan with the way I scored. Okay? okay? Now, I'm dropping 49, 50 on people, okay? So he was comparing my skill level at the college level scoring-wise, Okay. okay. All right, so I just want to clear that up right there. Not being a black hole or, or a ball hog, and I'm not saying MJ is a ball hog because I got three rings. Yeah, right. so so he's doing something right. But uh, yeah, I, I ain't gonna lie. 
Didn't hey. didn't Phil and Tex have to kind of go up to Michael and go, hey, you know, uh, we're going to run this triangle, but it's okay if you catch the ball in the, in the mid post and you do whatever you want. No, they had they had to sell it to him. You know, yeah. he wasn't he wasn't really gung ho about it in the right. beginning because you know everything always went through him. And what they did to him, you know, they broke it down to him and said, Michael, your way's not working. You know, you're not going to get past the first round by doing this by yourself, taking. 35, 40 shots, and no one else is involved. We've got to get an offense that that gets ball movement, player movement, gets everybody involved. See, back mm-hmm. in the day when you played, you used to have like um, they used to they used to call it the parking lot. So they take two non-scorers and put them on the opposite side of where the strong side is. So if you had the ball yeah. on the right-hand yeah. side, you take the center and the power forward and make them go above the three-point line to try to get the defense away, and they call it the parking lot. And so that's <laughs> how Jordan used to play with, like, Corzine and all those guys, and that's why he had so much space to move is because there were guys basically in the stands. <laughs> just sitting over there, hey, uh, Bender, can I get a beer? Uh, Michael's trying to score right now. Um, yeah, I'll have some popcorn and a hot dog. I'm out of you know? this play. Yeah, he's not even to play. And so then you would hear guys. Guys, like when I came in the league, we we learned to triangle together, and so so when when other teams had the parking lot situation, you'd hear him go, you hear him go, hey, those are non-players, don't worry about them. <laughs> non-players, those non-players, trap the ball, you know that's what we would say. But the triangle, we all learned it together, and it was resistance at first. It was resistance, and um, you know, but uh, feel can feel and text convince Michael there was going to be he was going to be a much more efficient scorer than he's ever been. He's not going to have to work as hard to score 35 points as he did before. And it was true. He was much more efficient. He got higher percentage shots. And the movement, I mean, he could you could post him up. You had him at the top of the circle. There were so many different plays that you could put him on the floor where he could attack from. Stacey, you're on a basketball team at any level that lost 20 games in a row. Houston Rockets snapped a 20-game well, no. losing streak. Uh, sad. No, I never. I know you played for the Timberwolves, and that was. Hey, I'm, I'm, was no no one remembers that. I, no, don't, that, that don't, don't, don't tell me. I, I don't even you're remember to that. Put that out of That's your mind. A, a PTSD right now. You see, I'm over here. I'm over here. I got my jerseys over here. My championship jersey. He got. I only recognize. I only recognize the Bulls right now. Okay. I don't, you know, I don't know about Timberwolves, but I, I was on a bad team. Now that you brought it up, you brought those memories up now, and I have to talk about that for a second. <laughs> just a second. Okay, just for a yeah, second. Yeah, but a it, second. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> going to going from the Bulls yeah. to Minnesota, it was the penthouse oh, yeah. to the outhouse, and it was a straight <laughs> drop. There was no elevator, floor eight, ten. Yeah, no, 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 no. And so my first – I don't know if I told this story in one of these intersections, but one, one, when I got there, I was so anxious to want to play. Yeah. You know, I was going to be in the starting lineup. Score some I, points. Yeah, I want to score points, and I yeah. want to show everybody I, I was more than just a role player on the championship team. Yep. So uh, the coach was Sidney Lowe. He calls me up the night before. He says, hey, we're going to have a shoot around. Do you want to play? If you don't want to play, you know, you don't have to play. I said, oh, no, coach, I want to play. I want to be there. I want to play. So he said, okay, we're going to have a shoot around at 10 o'clock tomorrow over at the Target Center. Optional. Uh, no, it wasn't optional. Oh, okay. It was shoot around because right. they had to walk me through the play. So you needed all the players there. So – I get there, I get there like, I'm like, you know, Bulls, we get there like an hour and a half early. So I'm there, there's no one there. I see like people running on the treadmill because we was in a health club. <laughs> there's people running on the treadmill. I was like, well, are those players? Like I'm looking up there. No, that's no, not anybody I know. So here, all of a sudden, it's like getting like 945. Now you expect to see people. Yeah. All I see is coaches and the trainers <laughs> and the equipment manager, okay? And then Mike Brown, who used to play for the yep. Chicago Bulls, Brown Bear, and Tellus Frank. So two pros, they show up to the practice. And I'm looking around like, where's everybody at? It's like 10 o'clock. You know, we don't do this in Chicago, you know, because you just, it, we're structured in Chicago. 
So so the coach says, "All right, we're gonna go through the. Um, we're gonna walk through the place, Stacy. Um, hold on, we don't. How many people we got? That's what he said. How many people we got? We're like looking. We, we got three players. Anyway, we got yeah. three players. So, uh, so then you needed ten. Yeah. It okay. Help. So yeah. it would help to have ten. So yeah. he he starts looking around. He says, "All right, uh, Clayton, you come in. He's the equipment man. Clayton, you come in. You're gonna work here. Uh, you know, uh, John, the trainer, you're gonna come in. Strength coach, you're gonna come in. So we're still like three people short." So he looks upstairs. He sure. starts. He starts staring upstairs, seeing all the people working out. See if and he just starts play, calling yeah. down. He sees a lady on a treadmill. Oh no! Hey, hey, miss, miss. <laughs> hey, can you do us a favor? Can you come down here and walk through the offense with us? She's like, oh sure, you know. Oh, no. And yeah, she came down. I swear to God, she comes down off the treadmill. Then we pick up some guy who had a hurt leg. He had a, his, <laughs> his leg was wrapped in a cast, and he limped down. He said, I can't really move, yeah. but I'll stand. I said, Come on down, just be here. We need well, hold you. Hold on. What was yeah. Mike Brown doing there? Mike Brown was he? He played there. Yeah. He was there. Oh, okay. Yeah, he played for the Timberwolves. So, trying to keep up, Tim. Yeah, trying yeah, to keep up. I mean, we were way out in front of Tim. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> yeah. um, I just yeah. noticed I they that started. Now. I thought he was, like, not there yet. They but. started the season in 94, 1-12. Uh, yeah. They were 0-6 to start the season, and they won a game, and then they won, lost six more. Now. Yeah. So, they yeah. So, 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 so we have all these people on the on the court. And I'm just sitting here. I'm seeing a guy with a cast on. I'm seeing a lady up there who just got done running on the treadmill. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. We've got the equipment manager who would never, you could, you could tell he never touched the You're going to get your points in that one. So I'm just sitting okay. here. I'm just sitting here looking at him like, I wonder why y'all lose. Like, this is how it is. And then so Mike Brown goes, hey, man, let me just tell you. This ain't Chicago. This ain't Chicago. Yeah. Like, you, hey, you're not in Kansas no more. And I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, he's like the players come when they want to come. They come to shoot around when they want to come. And I'm like, so don't they get optional? fined? No, they don't get fined. They didn't get fined. Oh, the, the players ran a team. So they're like, they're like, they're like they come when they want to. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I was blown away by it because yeah. if I had pulled any of that kind of stuff in Chicago, I'd have been gone. They traded me. You know, so I, that's when you come in this league and you're in structure, you expect every team to be that way. And I was completely surprised by that. Yeah, you feel bad for some of those teams and some of those coaches. Uh, the, shot, the shot of Steven Silas, the first-year coach of the Rockets. I feel bad for him. After they lost their 20th game in a row, he yeah. couldn't even speak, almost reduced well, to it, tears. It's unfair to him yeah. because, you know what, he waited his whole life to be a head thought coach. Thought he was going to have James Harden. Yeah, he, yeah. he, he, yes. I mean, he thought he was coming into a good situation in Houston, and he waited his whole over 20-something years as an assistant coach, and he finally gets his shot, and you, you take the rug out from underneath him. And, and what's going to be sad about this, and it's kind of similar to Brett Brown in Philadelphia, what's going to be sad about this is, is that, you know, he's going to accumulate a lot of losses, okay? Those guys will play hard for him. They're going to accumulate a lot of losses, and he'll be judged on that. Yeah. He won't be judged on that he lost a, a perennial all-star. You know, you, you let go of Boogie Cousins. You took all the weapons away from him, and now you're saying, hey, win for us. Yeah, and Christian Wood, one of the guys they signed in free agencies, missed most of the season. He finally returned the other day, and they, they beat the Toronto Raptors, who now have the longest losing streak at nine. It looks like the Raptors are going to sell. And they're, and they're selling. They yeah. might try Kyle Lowry to, to Miami. Miami's oh. trying to get him. And then I heard I heard Siakam got into it with, yeah, Nick, with Nurse. Yeah, with Nick Nurse. They find him 50 grand. Which is surprising. Yeah. I mean, that right, there, that right there shows that the seams are bursting right there. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. Siakam is a... I mean, he's a hard worker. You know, you never heard anything negative about him in the locker room or whatever. And sometimes, man, when you get success and you win a championship and, you know, you start getting an all-star game, now you think you're above all the other stuff. You know what I'm saying? Now yeah. you feel like you can go at the coach and question his play calling or question his decision-making. 
And that's what it kind of seems like it was. I don't really know because I'm not in the locker room. But you can see that now they're like, hey, you know what? It's Every time to sell. Himself. It's time to sell. No, let's, you know, trade Lowry, see what we can get out of that. Powell. Uh, you know, Norman Powell, yeah, who's been he's gonna killing, be a free agent at the who's end been of the year. killing it. Yeah. So it looks like they're giving up the but, playoff race this year. Which means the Bulls have an even better chance of getting into that play-in situation. It looks like Atlanta's been hot. They lost last night. They blew a 17-point lead in the second half out in L.A. against the Clippers, but they had won eight games in a row. They're getting a lot of guys back healthy, and they're also supposedly in the hunt for LaMelo Ball. How does LaMelo Ball and Trey Young work? I don't know how it works at all. Um, unless you're going to play, I mean, you're going to play Lonzo at the point. You're going to play Lonzo yeah, at the point. I was thinking because he was the next thing I was going to bring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he's going to. You're going to play Lonzo at the point and allow Trey to be the shooting guard. But on defense, you'll have Trey play the smaller guard and right. then Lonzo will play the bigger guard. That's the only way I could see that works. Uh, yeah. But but I I, I mean. I don't, I don't see how that helps Atlanta, to be honest Yeah, they'd won eight in a row since the coaching change with Nate McMillan taking over. I know you talked about that in the broadcast yesterday about what a good coach Nate McMillan is. Really, I thought it was unfair that he got let go yeah. in Indiana. Coach but of the year. They made, they made so many changes to that roster. A lot of those guys have been hurt. I mean, they picked up Chris Dunn. I think he still hasn't played for the Atlanta Hawks. I and forgot he was on the roster. Yeah, he's still wow. there. And, and they brought in Rondo. He's not playing much either. So... Um, John Collins could be moved as well. He's another guy that's in the trade rumor. You know, I mean, listen, teams are going to do what they want to do. Just, you know, just my opinion because I watch so many basketball games. And, you know, it's so hard to get talented players. And when you get them, sometimes you got you to gotta let them grow and, and, and mature. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't be so anxious to move them. John Collins, to me, is going to be a future all-star. He's going to be a guy that's going to be kind of like the like Carl Malone to me. He reminds me of Carl Malone. He's a physical, he's athletic, he runs the floor, he plays above the rim, he blocks shots. And when you got that type of player, man, you got to let those players develop and mature. Now that you got a good coach there that can put it all together, and, and get them to play a certain way. Obviously, you know, Nate McMillan knows what he's doing. They won eight in a row. I mean, they won eight out of the last nine. So he's gotten Trey Young to play a different way because, you know, Trey was playing pretty much free. You know, he was out there just shooting from wherever he wants, pull up, and that frustrated a lot of the players. You know, you're coming down, and, and, and he can make the shot, but is it a good shot? You know, because you can make that shot, is it a good shot taking a 30-footer two steps past half court? And I think that frustrated a lot of people. And I think Lloyd Pierce, the coach before, uh, Nate McMillan allowed it, and I think it caused problems in the locker room. Sometimes general managers can get in their own way. They just bring in too many players, and they they create this glut at certain positions. They signed Danilo Gallinari as a free agent, who's you know to me is just a middling kind of player. So they overpaid him to bring him into free agency. So now they're like, well, we got to play him, which means it cuts into John Collins' playing time. And now they're thinking, well, we paid all this money to Bogdan Bogdanovich and all these free agents, we can't afford John Collins, which is crazy. Well, and this is why certain teams in the NBA stay at a certain level. level. Yeah. They can never get past a certain level. And, you know, when you have talented young players, this is, okay, listen, all these people who are holding on to these first-round picks, they know how important these picks are, okay? That's why they're scouring the draft, trying to find players, okay? Tell me who at the college level right now at the power forward position is better than John Collins. I can't think of a powerful. I mean, if you can no. think, I mean, we're looking at the tournament. Now, granted, it's a totally different tournament with COVID, whatever. But of all the games you've seen this past weekend, 
Name one big player you said was, oh, man, he's awesome. I, I like the kid from USC, Evan Mobley, but he doesn't yeah. shoot it like John no, Collins. No, no, yeah. but there is nobody in college basketball better than John Collins no. right now. Agreed. And that's, yeah. and that's why, that's what baffles me about yeah. these teams. Same thing with Lonzo Ball. I mean, Lonzo Ball is a tremendous point guard, okay? Is he, I, and I think now he gets a bad rap because of what his brother's doing. You know, everybody sees what his brother's doing and say, well, that's what Lonzo should have been. No, Lonzo is doing what he does. He's not flashy. He's not like LaMelo. LaMelo is a flashy player, and he's exciting to watch. You know, it's it's like a Ferrari, and then you got the Ford truck. The Ford truck is, <laughs> is going to be, it's going to start no matter what. Reliable, 365 yeah. days a year, that's Lonzo Ball. And he's going to run your team. He's a pass first, pass second, pass third point guard. He can defend. He's a two-way player. He makes his teammates around him better, and so now you got Zion Williamson, and then you you've got you know you've got um, what's the kid Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram, yeah. Okay, so you got three legitimate kids that could be all stars. I mean, you know, both the other two were all stars. Lonzo could be an all star. You got a nice core group yeah. there now. Build around those guys, and they're still on their rookie deals, except for except for Ingram. The other two on their rookie deals. Build around those guys. Yeah, you know, and Lamelo Ball unfortunately broke his wrist. He had surgery today. They said uh, he's going to be reevaluated in four weeks, but most likely he's done for the season. Has he played enough games to still be rookie of yep. the year? Yeah. Yep. He's dominated from the start. Yeah, I agree. I, mean, I think it's was it forty one games he's played. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be the least amount of games played uh, for a rookie of the year candidate. I think Patrick Ewing had was the was the leader up until that point, like fifty something right. games. But he's, in my opinion. He's been the class above everybody this year. Regardless if he plays the rest of the year, he's been the top rookie. Yeah, the top draft pick, Anthony Edwards, now starting with the new coaching staff in Minnesota. He had a 40-point game recently. He's starting to come on a little bit. Of course, Tyrese Halliburton in Sacramento is doing well, but I agree. I think LaMelo Ball, even if yeah. at his 41 team was, games. His team, he elevated his team to yeah. a playoff caliber. Big time. He, they went from a team like not even supposed to make the playoffs to a top four team. And, he, and a rookie starting point guard. I mean – Woo! I mean, you, you don't see that too often. And he energized the whole franchise. People and want everybody, to watch that team. Now. I mean, they're on ESPN now. Yeah, they're yeah. on national TV because of this kid. And you know what? He's got a flair about him that you know he you Pete just Maravich. gravitate you gravitate to him. You watch him play, and it's like you know, even if he's not scoring, he's doing other things. He's rebounding. He's getting steals. The passes. I'm telling you, it's it's like Pete Maravich reincarnated. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the moves that he does, he's coming down full speed, and he's looking one way, he'll throw it between his legs and a bounce pass to someone, <laughs> and the defense is completely fooled. Just an, just an unbelievable passer. Yeah, King, tough. King correctly predicted that. Lamar, That's right, yeah. yeah. And, and you're Thank right. You. Thank uh, you. Patrick Ewing had 50 games in yeah. his rookie year. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate you pointing out those that, that I said that LaMelo Ball was going to be good. Will he be back, you think, or is he done? They said they're reevaluating re four weeks, yeah. but I, don't, know, I doubt it. It's, it's I, they might unlikely. hold him out. They yeah. might hold him out. Well, since we're talking about a fractured wrist, it's a perfect segue for our next guest who's busted <laughs> up a lot of people in his life. Curtis Razor Blades. We don't want to keep, keep him waiting. He is yeah. next on yeah. Give Me the Hot Sauce. Thing. 
Now entering the octagon from Chicago, one of the top-ranked heavyweights in the UFC, Curtis Razor Blades, our special guest on episode 21 of Give Me the Hot Sauce. Curtis, welcome to the show. Tell the folks a little bit about your background. Obviously, you, you wrestled, you played football in high school, and now you're one of the stars of UFC. Um, well, yeah, that's a pretty good overview right there. Uh, <laughs> I went to T-Lasalle. Um, went there today, actually. Went to go talk to a bunch of my old teachers and my old coaches. I went there, graduated in 09. I won state in 09. Then I got a scholarship to go to Northern Illinois University. I wrestled there, redshirted, messed up my grades, lost my scholarship. Then ended up going to Harper, which is a junior college up in uh, Palatine. I wrestled there for two years. I won JUCO Nationals in 2012. And I was going to go to an NAIA school to continue my wrestling. But, again, didn't get in my transcripts in in a timely manner. Missed the enrollment period. Needed something some type of activity to stay in shape because I still plan on on uh, wrestling at a university. But um, I started to fight September 2012. That was my first amateur fight. I won that one in about mm, 10 seconds. Wow. I, <laughs> I haven't rewatched that video in a while. But it was pretty fast. Yeah, get it done quickly. Um, yeah. And then after that, uh, I kept doing it. Uh, my plan was just just to keep fighting un, un, t- until I lost. And then I won all my amateur fights. I went 8 0 as an amateur. And I decided to turn pro uh, May 2014. I won I won that, my pro debut. That was over at the, at the pavilion, the UIC pavilion. And then I... I kept winning, and then I went five and zero on the regional uh, circuit. And then I got the the call from the UFC April twenty sixteen, and I made my debut and been been in the UFC ever ever since then. I'm gonna tell you what for our listeners, you know, you guys got a chance to hear his walkout music when he comes in yeah. to fight at the UFC, which is Mortal Kombat. And I'm just gonna be honest with you. Okay, by playing that music, I was ready to choke some people out in here. I, I, seriously, I was, I was hyped. I mean, I was ready to just put somebody to sleep. Okay, and I, I don't even know how to do it, but I was willing to do it, Curtis, because that, that music. So I can see you when you come into the ring, because I watch a lot of your fights. I can see what gets you in the mood, gets you ready to go in and, and put a beating on somebody with them elbows and that uh, ground and pound, uh, lethal ground and pound. And for our listeners who, who, who are not UFC fans, like, you know, this is – this is one of the top five heavyweights in the world. This is this is not a guy that's trying to work his way up from the bottom to the top. He's already done that. He is a top five heavyweight in the world. We'll be fighting for a title at some point. There's a big title fight this weekend. Two guys that you're going to be looking closely at, uh, Stipe and then the big Francis Nagano, the, the Nigerian nightmare. So, so what's your opinion on that fight, and who do you think is going to win? I think it's it's the right fight to make based on the rankings, based on what they both have on their resumes. And uh, I'm going with Sipe. I believe that the game plan he used in their first fight a couple years ago, it worked to perfection. Why why change up the game plan? Um, I think he's going to use his 
boxing defensively. He's going to use use his range, get to Ngannou's hips, put him on the floor in the first round, and then rinse and repeat, just do it over and over and over until Ngannou breaks and he either gets the TKO or finds a submission. Now, now my question to you, because you say, you know, Stipe is going to stay with his same game plan. It worked for him flawlessly. Do you think that Nugano is going to make any kind of adjustments in his game? Because he's never had a wrestling. He's always been stand-up. He's trying to get you out of there as quick as possible. But do you see him? I've seen some videos of him, you know, wrestling in the gym and, and trying to do some, you know, grappling. Do you think he comes in with a different mindset or does he go back to what works for him? I think he knows. He knows he doesn't have the best uh, uh, stamina, so he knows he has to get get Stipe out of there early. He's he's going to be aggressive. He's going to come out swinging, looking to to take off Stipe's head. Stipe knows that, so he needs to be looking to wrestle. And Ngannou, his best chance at victory is early. The longer the fight goes, the the less his chances of winning they go down because like i said he doesn't have the best conditioning in the world each round he loses a bit of that amazing power so if he gets into the third round he's pretty much done for so i think if he wants to win he'll have to be aggressive and look to end it early curtis i don't know how, how big of a fan you are of other sports uh how much you watch them but you see athletes in other sports uh, missing multiple weeks for a, a minor ankle sprain, or in the NBA, they have something called load management where they just want to rest guys so they'll be healthier for more important games later. Ain't no load management in the UFC. When you enter that octagon, man, this is real. What, what's your mindset when you go in? And and tell us uh, tell us a story maybe about the worst you've ever been hurt in one of these matches. Well, to answer your first one, uh, my mindset going in is just, do or die. Like this guy's in the way. He wants to make money. I want to make money. Like we only get half as much if we lose. So winning is a big deal. You get the win bonus, and uh, that's really all I'm thinking about. For it, for me, this is all about money. I'm I'm trying to build a future for me and my family, my daughter, and I know the best way for me to do that is to uh, maximize my time in this sport. And the best way to maximize it is. It's to win and to get the belt. When you get the belt, you get the big money. The longer you have the belt, the longer you're making the big money, the better off your future is. So that's that's all I'm thinking. Like, this guy's in my way. He's in my way to get the belt. And I gotta remove them. <laughs> a lot of our a lot of our listeners and some of our novice MMA fans may not know this. You know, like a lot of the major sports, basketball, football, you know, baseball, they have pension plans, they have insurance, health insurance. A lot of people don't know you guys go in there and you don't you don't have all that stuff. And so, you know, for you guys to go in there, you're literally putting your life on the line every single time you step in practice, every single time you step in the ring. So let our listeners know what that what that is for you and how you and rest of the fighters feel about that. Because that to me, I mean, I have the utmost respect for you because I being a professional ex professional athlete myself, and now in my later years when you're in your fifties, and now those health insurance and, and all those things are so important for you. You know, you guys don't have that, and it's really sad because you guys make a lot of money for your the people who you wrestle for and you fight for and it's really sad that they don't have some kind of plan for you guys to uh after life after fighting yeah 
I mean, it is unfortunate, and I I do think it's something that that I'd like to to speak it addressed. But hopefully, it happens in my career. But if not my career, I definitely think it think that's something that'll be addressed in the next generation. Because as the money grows in the sport, you the guys at the top they'll they'll start to realize we'll get a better product when we invest or into our athletes, just like all the other sports you mentioned, like NBA, MLB, NFL, NHL, they invest into the athletes and they get a better product. Like when your athletes don't have to worry about having jobs on the side or having to pay for their own health insurance, it relaxes their mind, puts their mind at ease and they're able to really just focus on their sport. A lot of guys have jobs outside of the UFC. I used to have a job but then I I earned a better contract to the point where I don't have to have another job. I know a lot of guys that train with me, they have jobs on the side. They go to practice, they go to work. And that's a lot harder than just going to practice and then going home to recover and to hang out, which is what I get to do. But I'm blessed. Not everyone's in that position. And one day in the future, I would like I would like all the guys that do MMA. This, this is a very brutal sport on the body and on the mind. I would like for all the guys that all women and guys that fight i like for them all to have that peace of mind and not have to worry about like ah oh, i hurt my ankle today but i still gotta go to work or uh i wish i i don't have the money to pay for this right now i have to wait till after the fight i'll, I'll be happy when everyone in the ufc doesn't have to worry about those outside influence those outside like stresses because that's it gets to you. It, it it affects your performance. It affects your training, and you don't want that. But for a lot of guys, that's not an option. They don't have the option to not go to work. They have to. They got to do what they got to do. And, and yeah, just hopefully one day it won't be that. It won't be like so, that. Well, Mr. Blades, I have a huge respect. And uh, we have uh, similar starts, but different outcomes. I did, uh, <laughs> I did, uh, I did judo. I started off in judo at Harper College, and then uh, competed in judo in college. Uh, then uh, did some MMA later on. Years got knocked out by Arlovsky. That didn't work out so well either. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but nonetheless, uh, I want to ask you a question. As 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 you look at your uh, fight plan coming up in the future, if you were uh, up against Olenek and He's got that uh, from the ground on his back, Ezekiel, without the gi. Have you planned on defending against something like that when you face him? Well, I've actually already gotten a chance to, to fight Alexi Olenek. Did um, he, did, did he try him to pull that on you? In November of 2017 in oh, New York man. at Madison Square Garden. And um, he didn't get a chance to, to implement much of his jujitsu. I did take him down a few times, but I was able, I was able to avoid those tricky um, positions where he's able to take advantage of guys. I was able to avoid those, and I beat him on the feet, and I got the TKO in the second round. But he does have a dangerous Ezekiel choke. He's got a lot of sneaky, like he's a veteran. He's got a lot yeah, of old man, sneaky. old man moves. Yeah, yeah, like Denzel Valentine. Huh? 
Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so there's there's a lot of big money fights in the heavyweight division. It's gotten really interesting now that John Jones has moved up yeah, uh, yeah. to the heavyweight division. Uh, supposedly he's going to get the the next title shot. Uh, whoever wins this one, but I mean, there is some serious money fights for you on the horizon. You got Stipe, depending on what he does. You've got Nagano. You know, you could go with Derek Lewis again. I mean, there's there's some really good fights for you. Which one really you look ahead really interests you the most? I mean, if we're we're talking about just the money, yeah, just the dollars. John Jones, you know, he because when you have the belt, you get a per, uh, a purse percentage of of the pay-per-view buys so like if i were to get the belt and then to fight john jones he would bring in a lot more buys so i would get a lot more money off that so yeah john jones he's he's the money fight for what, heavyweight what do you think about john jones uh going after the whole attitude about that he's the greatest and not really happy about you know you know what i'm talking I mean, about that's all about um uh, perception, because yeah. I do believe that John Jones is a goat. But me too. I, I agree too. That's that's just me. There are people on the other end of the, of the spectrum who t- take away from his goat status because of the PED allegations. I don't believe the PEDs make you great. Like you got to already be great. Mm-hmm. The PEDs just allow you to train harder and longer, yes. which is illegal, but it doesn't. PDs aren't going to teach you how to throw a head kick. Well, when you get MMA and title defense, I mean, John Jones is the guy, not uh, Khabib. Yeah. And yeah, he's got the most title defenses. But then Khabib's argument is the dominance. He never, he's never had a war. He's never had a fight where he, he's lost multiple rounds. John has had a a couple poster fights. Like he's lost rounds before, which is no shame. But when we're, picking goats start nitpicking that's one of the things that people use for Khabib's argument like he doesn't lose any rounds he's he's undefeated in every round John has lost a couple rounds so the, the, the way the reason why I put John up there because he cleaned out his division and and the lightweight mm-hmm. division was a hot division when he was there and he beat everybody I mean, he went in and destroyed Shogun Rule when everybody was scared to fight him. Um, you know, Silva. I mean, I mean, he, he just dominated. I mean, he almost lost to Vitor Belford, who probably most people would have tapped out when they were in that yeah. situation. And he was able to get out of that armbar and then be able to come back and win that fight in a dominating fashion. He has one DQ, right? Yeah. Well, he hit, was it, was it Ryan? Um, who did he hit in the back of the head and they called? Uh, yeah, I forgot. It was early, early. Yeah, it was early in his. Career. It was early in his career. That yeah. that they should just erase that. But yeah. I'm not count. taking. Any, I'm not yeah. taking anything away from Khabib. Um, Khabib is, you know, Khabib's style has dominated, you know, that division. I mean, he's dominated those people. I would have loved to see him fight Tony Ferguson. Um, he didn't fight everybody in his division. He didn't clear. He didn't really clean out his division. And when you clean out your division, just like you know, uh, Alessandra has done the middleweight division. He's like kind of cleaned out the whole middleweight division. Those guys, guys, you got to put those guys on a different level when they clean out the best fighters in their division. And there's nobody left. Well, Blades was on his way right there, man. I, th- I thought you had it, man. Yeah, you. I mean, I mean you're, and you, you're, you're going to be there. 
Yeah, you're we we. I told him we watched him at the UFC when it was oh, in yeah, Chicago. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome, man. It was like because like we we always go to the undercard, the the circuit fights here in in uh, Chicago, which is those are amazing fights. I mean, you know, people don't really know how hard those guys go in there. They're trying to get to the next level. You know, it's kind of like you liken it to the G League in the NBA. You know, those guys are, are you know, busting their butt trying to get to the NBA. They'll do whatever it takes to get to the NBA. So when you go see these circuit fights, these guys are doing the same thing. I mean, they're they're scrapping and fighting for peanuts to get to the next level. So I got nothing but utmost respect for MMA fighters, man. I'm, I'm a big fan. I go back. I don't know how far you go back, Curtis. But I go back to the original, and we talked about this on the phone, the original UFC with Hoist Gracie, and my friend Tim over here says it tough was more of a contest. tough man contest. But I don't care because they had to fight like three or four fights in a night to win the money. And to do that, man, you got to be you got to be a bad dude. I don't, care if you, I don't care if you're fighting guys who may not know MMA, but if you got to go through four dudes to get a check, yeah, yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy I wasn't born. I wasn't old enough to be in the UFC back then. But it was a different game. The game, the game of MMA today is a lot more t technical, but not as brutal. Back then, it was way more brutal. Yeah, not as brutal. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, not as brutal. It's not as brutal. I I have they, a quick question for you. I I I understand that forty percent of UFC fans are women, which was kind of a surprise to me. Um, and I haven't watched much of it, but I watched a lot of your clips um, to prepare for the episode. And there's there's some elbow action. I, I mean, I can't even imagine how much that hurts. And I was wondering, were you born without a funny bone? Because whenever whenever I hit my elbow, I go, ah, you know, and it's like a funny bone thing. And I was watching you just pummel some guy there's in the Alistair face. There's over him's forehead, what? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about your elbows. Um, that's just like, Years of, um, I think they're they're numb now because years of hitting them on the bags and hitting them on other guys' heads during practice. They eventually like the feeling just goes away. It happens to a lot of guys' legs, like when they're throwing oh. kicks over and over wow. and over. Eventually, like, I forget like the the technical term, but the skin, no, the bones break a little bit each time, and they heal over. Yeah. They break a little bit and they heal over, and it, it creates like a density. So that like wow, the bone doesn't hurt anymore. Right, a bone it right. takes years. It takes years, right. years and years. I've, I've got no shot. I've got no yeah. shot. Yeah, <laughs> uh, me either. Me either. So, so let me ask you a question. I, I know when Conor McGregor came into the game, and you were were you were you just starting when he came in? Were you just were you in there for a while? Or were you just starting when Conor came in? Um, I was in MMA when he got into the UFC, but I wasn't in the UFC. I was an amateur still. Okay, so so you've had a chance to see what he's done and and what he's done for the sport. Yeah. Um, what's your feeling on his his him as a fighter, and then and what he's done for the sport? Because us on the outside looking in, like I feel like he's changed the game as far as you know, as far as the how thing how the MMA is looked at or UFC is looked at. I remember watching guys go to press conferences, uh, never wearing suits, you know, never getting G'd up and coming there looking nice, you know. And then Connor starts doing it, and now you start to see everybody look professional when they're coming into the big press conference fights and stuff like that. So do you do you feel like he's changed the game? Um, well, first off, as a Fighter, I respect his game. He's very good. He's he got a great uh, left hand. He's got great 
movement or distance. He's he's an amazing fighter. The only issue I have with him as a fighter is he doesn't have the best uh, conditioning. He he kind of slows down after after the third round. But I said he's used to putting guys away. He he's not used to having to go the distance. So I'm not gonna hold that against him. Is that training on a yacht that does it? Slows you yeah. down. <laughs> no, but seriously though, seriously though, Curtis, because you, you know, you do a lot of cardio, and I'm sure you, you know, you work extremely hard on your cardio. Like, why yeah. is it a guy at that level seems like he always gasses out? After is, is it because he's not training cardio? No, no, no. It's he's not the only one. There's lots of guys like him. I don't know. Have you heard of Anthony Johnson? Yes, Rumble, Rumble, Rumble had that issue also. Like when you when you're used to putting guys away. In your mind, you go into the octagon like this isn't going past eight minutes. This isn't going past five minutes. And then when it does, it's like a shock. Like those guys, they're not mentally prepared to do 15 or 25 minutes. They're already expecting their head to put that guy away. I go in there with the exact opposite. Like even when I fought Alistair, I put him away in the third round, but I was expecting to go to distance. I expect all my fights to go to distance because I just, that's how much respect I give my opponents. I'm not going to think like, oh, I'm going to go in here and just knock this guy out. That's, that's disrespectful to the training he's already put in. And I hope hope my opponents don't envision that against me because that's disrespectful to me. Like, you're not, like, yeah, it might happen, but for you to, to expect it as a, that leads you to your downfall. And I think that's one of McGregor's issues. He just, he believes he's going to put, put you away early and he doesn't expect you to last that long. When you do, it's like, it throws his whole game plan out. Like he doesn't know. He's like, oh shoot, I got a fight fight. So yeah. I think that's the issue with him. Well, Curtis, we heard your little girl in the background. We know that you're you're fighting yeah. for her so that she can have a, a great life. And we want to thank you so much for joining us on the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. We wish you the best of luck. All of Chicago lands rooting for you. Hopefully one day soon you will be the heavyweight champion. Curtis Blades, our special guest on the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. Curtis, thanks a million. Coming up next, Sorry, we go Curtis. off the wall. Get that title, baby. Get that money. Get the bag. <laughs> We are back. Time to take Gimme the Hot Sauce off the wall. And if you really want to go off the wall, Stacy was talking about giving his brother's figure four leg locks. That had to hurt. Yeah, you know, since we just got off that episode with Curtis Blades and we we're talking about, you know, wrestling. Yeah. Wrestling. You know, Speaking of singlets and oil, yes, yeah, so we didn't do we didn't do the singlet and oil like John, but no need. but we used to take we used to do all the wrestling moves that you saw on TV. Yeah, so Ric Flair was one of my favorite uh, wrestlers, so he had the figure four leg lock, and I used to try to put it on my brother all the time. You know, the claw, Fritz von Erich's claw. I used to try to put on, but I never drew blood like Fritz did. Fritz always drew blood from somebody's head because he squeezed her head so. Wasn't hard. that fake blood? Listen, man, don't 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 ruin a kid's dream. Okay, it, it looked real to me. It looked real to me, buddy. Okay, did you get don't, your brothers to tap out, or they yell uncle, or how'd that work? 
Nah, there was there was no tap out. He, he got out of it every time. I never could lock it in. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty athletic. Did you ever eat the him. turnbuckle like George the Animal Steel? No, no one did all that. That's that's not that's not something Kings did. And <laughs> Tim, you didn't you didn't issue a challenge to Curtis when he was on the show. I was waiting for that. Yes. I was a little out of my league. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He did not want to see Curtis Blades. But he came you? out of the gate calling him sir. I was like, Yeah, oh. he called him sir. Oh, yeah, and Tim, Tim is older than him. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, sir. Uh, yes, Mr. Mr. Blades, sir. You thought it was a Sydney Portier movie. It's a sir with love. <laughs> oh you, you my see, god. You see where the pain I'm coming from? Now you Man. you actually fought a heavyweight that you're giving him like forty pounds in your bout? Oh no, that was uh, the Chicago Open. I got my ass kicked. Well, how, yeah. how much weight were you that giving away? That was not a professional, by the way. That was an. It was a milkman. <laughs> the milkman whooped his ass. This is the guy driving down the street. Yeah, the Amazon guy that drives a little blue truck whooped his butt. They were yeah. lining up. Yeah, we were talking oh. the driveway. He says, "You know, maybe I'll join on Sunday. I'll see you there." <laughs> That's what happened. You talk about selling mixtapes out of your trunk. They were charging admission to go in and kick Tim's ass. Man. It yeah, wasn't Tim, hey, I'm going to bust your hey, ass. Listen, I give Tim credit, though. He tried. Yeah. He tried. He went out there and did his best. He took a, a heel to the face. And, um, oh, jeez. You know, hey, the guy yeah, tried, he No man. breaks here. He was hey. just trying to break things so it toughened up, you know, toughen up his elbow. He's he lucky he didn't break his neck. <laughs> That's why he's lucky he didn't break his neck. And they told me, go back to drinking beer. You're better at that. Yeah. <laughs> they said, hey, man, why don't you just go grab a ring card and just walk around the ring? This is gonna be a, you're going to be the first man ring card guy. Oh, you, man. You, you get your... oh, oh, seriously. Ah, hey, just, there's no danger in being a ring man. Ding, walk around, ding. I think walk we're around, done. Though. Yeah, just walk around with a ring card. We, we can, now have Tim we, walking around with we, a ring we card. We can't do much more than that. So we're, we're for Ezekiel on stage. Oh, boy. <laughs> Tim, I'll do your life. I'll do your life rap, man. Come on, man. Oh, man don't hurt. let them. Don't let them attack you, man. Don't man, let them come. This oh. how the Beatles broke up. Okay, Whoa, that hurt. Yoko Ono broke up the Beatles. Okay, we got <laughs> a lot of Yokos in here. Don't let them break us up. One day I'll tell you about my victories. I mean, they were little kids, but. Oh wow! <laughs> wow! Any one of little kids? Tap yeah, okay, out. Father Kelly. Be one careful. Arm. Wow! Any one-arm girls? <laughs> Father Kelly? Oh, Father Kelly? No. Oh man! Oh my God! The the Father the Kelly Nelson and the Father wow, Nelson. Wow! My God! Father Kelly. He just oh. keeps digging the hole deeper. Yeah, know? he's just <laughs> falling deep in the rabbit hole, man. Hey, let's I'm change gonna... the subject because we are getting into some really, <laughs> some really bad areas here. If you haven't checked out episode twenty of Getting the Hot Sauce, you got to go back and listen. To it. We had BJ Armstrong on That's for nearly an hour, and and BJ was just was just laughing, almost crying at some of the stories we were talking about. One of the stories was in 1989. The Bulls had three first round draft picks. It was Stacy. It was BJ Armstrong. It was Jeff Sanders. And Stacy talked about Jeff Sanders driving you down to the Cotton Club and an old Ford Thunderbird. So that got us to thinking about uh, our first cars. And 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 Stacy, you said yours, uh, your first one was in college, right? Yeah, I didn't have, I wasn't uh, lucky enough to have a car in high school like some of you people. Not a trust fund. No, no, no. I was riding a school bus, the big yellow school bus, top 25 player in the country, <laughs> riding a school bus with a hunt club shirt on with the, the collar ironed up. Okay, that was me. Okay. It was, it was, you know, hey, it's tough. It's tough. So, so, so anyway. You look good though. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So what happened was my dad, my dad, my older two brothers, my, they, my mom and dad really spoiled them. Me and my younger brother, Daryl, we were kicked to the curb, okay? We, you know, normally the babies get spoiled. No, it was like a sweatshop. <laughs> it was like a sweatshop in the King household for me and him. So my two older brothers, my parents helped buy cars, 
and they had the sweetest cars, man. So as a boy watching my older brother, he had a GTO, red GTO, man. It was the muscle car. Real sweet. I mean, fast, vroom, like that kind of car. So it was really nice. And then my other brother, uh, Lamont. Your other brother, Daryl. No, no, there's only one there. Okay. My first yeah, brother is Gregory. My first, listen, you know where I really interrupted when I'm telling the story is going to be, I'm getting ready to put, oh, this, I'm, getting, no, I'm getting ready to put you to sleep over here, okay? So anyway, so, so anyway, if I was really interrupted by Mark Chanowski over here, uh, my older brother Gregory had the, the GTO muscle car. Then my brother Lamont had a sky blue Trans Am, like a 79 Trans Am with the T-tops. Nice. The sweetest car. So I used to sit in the driver's seat like as a 12-year-old acting like I'm driving it. You know, and just like because we got hand-me-downs when we were kids. So whatever your bro older brothers couldn't wear anymore, they passed them down yeah. to me and my younger brother. So I thought they did that with the cars. <laughs> and, it um, that way. Yeah, I thought it, it didn't work that way. It did. <laughs> so I didn't get the car. So anyway, so my brothers trashed their cars. They wrecked their cars, whatever. My parents was like, I'm never doing this again. I'm not doing it. So when it was time for me to come through the ranks and I was, you know, ready to get my car, uh, my parents said, you got to work. You got to work. You got to save your money. If you want a car, you got to work. I was like, wow, like, we're doing this again? You did this when I was, you did this when I was six. When you told me, you know, I had to, I couldn't go when we went to the grocery store. I tried to get gum. My mom said, you got any money? I'd be like, no. She said, no, mom, I don't have any money. I'm six. You got a job? Oh, no. Oh, man. No, mom, I don't have a job. I'm six. Oh, no. <laughs> so I had to go cut grass and work to get money to buy gum and stuff when we go to the grocery store. So it was no different when I turned, you know, 17, 18 years old. So it was like, you got to go work. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll go work. So I worked at, my dad was military, he's a retired uh, drill sergeant. So I worked in the summer um, on the army base, washing pots and pans and wow. dishes. And, you know, I wanted the cool job where I couldn't cook, but I wanted to be a cook. I probably would have burnt the food up. I, I, I mean, I was just eating cereal at the time. I didn't know how to make pancakes <laughs> or bacon, any stuff like that. But that was a cool job. Yeah. And then the next job was the servers. So... You would serve all the soldiers. So you'd have 500, you know, 800 soldiers come in for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then the servers would just, you know, if they wanted potatoes, they wanted green beans, whatever. You just serve it to them. It was an easy job. But they had me back there, like, you know, in the grunt work, back there in the hot kitchen, steam everywhere. And just the pots were about as big. I don't know if anybody's ever seen these pots. But they're like, you know, those big gallon pots. Like, I mean, you can actually, you could put Southside in there and put her on a stove and cook her. That's how big the pots were, okay? Rapunzel? Throw some, throw some carrots in there, some potatoes. <laughs> yeah, Southside stew, okay? So, so... We had to we had to do all this stuff and it was it was a pain in the butt man it take two people to to pick up one of those those pots and so I saved all my money up it was time to get a car I didn't have enough so I had to work another summer to get it <laughs> so finally I get finally I get enough money to buy the car I go to my dad my dad said okay here's what we're gonna do we're gonna go down here and we're gonna go pick out a car and so I'm like all right cool let's go so we go down to this this used car salesman in my hometown Lawton Oklahoma. And, you know, of course, he, he pulls like a Chevette. You remember the old oh, Chevrolet sure, Chevette? Yeah. And, sweet. yeah, he wanted, yeah. <laughs> no. I, I can tell you some stories about that Chevette, boy. Woo, Lord, that's a different time. Anyway, I used to date a girl who had a Chevette. Oh, oh the laid down oh, back man, seat. let me tell you something. You better be flexible. With the hatchback? You better be flexible in that Chevette, boy. Thank you God for athlete. yoga, baby. Thank God for yoga. I was doing yoga back in the day. But anyway, that's a different story, different time, different chapter. Okay? Right. So, the Chevette. I didn't like the Chevette. It just looked, nah. And then there was a Gremlin. You remember the old Gremlin? Oh, those, yeah. And I'm just like, come on, man. 
Come on, <laughs> come on. We're going from Trans Am GTO to this. How about a Pinto? No, so no, we didn't get Pinto. But it was these cars were nowhere near what my brothers got. So I was kind of frustrated. So then I see this, I see this like '78 Ford Thunderbird. Okay, Ooh. it was white. It had a maroon uh, rag top. A Landau. Oh, and it had a red <laughs> interior. Like the, it matched the it matched the roof. And I was like, a vision. That's. The car I want right there. It was a sweet car. It was a sweet car. So I was so proud of that car. I drove it back to University of Oklahoma. I was so proud of it. Uh, I put a new stereo system in it, put some different rims on it, really tricked it out, you know. And so so one day, my brother comes in. He says, hey, I need to borrow your car. I need to drive home because he was living in Oklahoma City. So he'd stop in Norman, and he'd be like, yo, my car's in the shop. I need to borrow your car to go home. Uh, Mom and dad want to see me, da-da-da. And I'm like, No. You're not using my car because every time you loan him something, it never comes back the same. <laughs> so my gut instinct is like, no, nah, Lamont, you're not using my car. So my mom could get me to do anything. So Lois King called me up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Let your brother borrow the car, please. I need to see your brother. I haven't seen him in a long time. Please help your mom out. And I'd just be like, I just melt. I'd be like, oh. <laughs> all right, mom, but I don't like this. I, yeah. I have some. I have a gut feeling something bad's gonna happen if he doesn't put gas in my car on the way back. Because you know, in college, you're on a budget, you know. So you know, you in college, I wasn't driving all over the place. It was like you drove where you needed to drive, and you came back home because you didn't have money for gas. You know, boosters didn't help you with that. Come on, man, don't don't see. See, that's how rumors start right there. Okay, right, that's how rumors start right there. See, see, I, I will admit that I did take a pay cut when I came to the league, but that, that's a different story, in a different chapter. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. NCAA statute of limitations, baby. You can't get me, baby. Yeah. So so anyway, see, Mark is trying to get me in trouble with the NCAA. So anyway, so so my brother borrows my car. He drives it home, you know, and I'm just mad. You know, I didn't have anywhere to go that weekend, but I let him use it. And I was just, I was so mad to let him use it because I knew something bad was going to happen. And so so I, I get a call. I get a call from my mom. And, you know, she hits me with that, that melting voice. Baby, <laughs> I know you're going to be mad. Okay, it's going to be okay. I just want you to know it's going to be okay. And I'm like, <laughs> what happened, Mama? He's like, we had a little accident with the Thunderbird. And I'm like, and I'm going crazy. Like, what? What happened? It's okay. Calm down. The car is drivable. He's coming back with it right now. It's, it can be fixed. Trust me, we got insurance. It'll be fixed. Don't worry about it. So I'm now, I'm living. I'm like, okay, my car is messed up. This is, I mean, I really put a lot of money in this in this car and really a lot of time and effort. So my brother, my brother comes back to the apartment to drop the car off. And then my, my, uh, one of my roommates, um, one of my, my teammates who lives upstairs, like, oh, <laughs> King, what happened to your car? Oh, boy. And then I immediately run out there, okay? So <laughs> I look at my beautiful Thunderbird. Okay, I go over to, I'm looking, I'm, I'm on the passenger side. Nothing's wrong. There's no dents or anything. I'm like, okay, there's nothing wrong. So I walk over to the other side and the door, the, <laughs> the driver's door is gone. Okay. Uh, completely and, gone. Completely gone. And he put a plastic like bag cover <laughs> over the door. Tommy boy. Yeah. He put it over the door and he drove all the way from Lawton, Oklahoma back to Norman with this huge plastic bag. And then I go, I go. Come on, what, what did you do to my car? Oh, and he's like, 
man, calm down. It ain't that bad. <laughs> I was like, bad. of course you're going to say that because it's not your car. <laughs> but you're going to give me a car back with a plastic bag on it. I got to drive yeah. around. I got to poke a hole in just to see where I'm going. So he's talking about <laughs> <to> pay tolls. <laughs> he's talking, he, says, he says to me, he says, all right, listen, we're going to get you a new door. And I'm like, well, where's the, the, where's the original door? <laughs> Well, it got hit by a truck. I was at a bingo shop and I accidentally left the door open and the truck just came by and knocked it off. And I was like, what the hell were you doing at a bingo shop? That's like for older people. What are you, what are you doing at a bingo shop? Well, I had, I had this girl I was meeting over there, blah, blah, blah. So I said, you left the door of my car open and then a truck came by and hit it. He said, yeah. yeah. He said, but don't worry. We're gonna, you know, dad's going to, you know, insurance going to cover it, yada, yada. But you just got to drive like this for, <laughs> got to drive like this for a couple of weeks. And I'm like, man, I'm not driving this car. But I ended up driving. I, I cut out a hole, make it look like a window, so I could actually see. You had to get in on the passenger side oh, and slide man. in. Yeah, man. And if you took the curb too, you know, you took a turn too far, too fast, you liable to fall out the plastic. <laughs> <laughs> the Visqueen yeah. Cruiser. So I had, so I had to literally like slow down when I took corners because I could actually fall out. Could you have oh. a passenger in that front seat with you? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, come on, man. Back in those days, we used to ride in the back of pickup trucks going to baseball games. So you think <laughs> well, you think you. a little plastic gonna stop us? Well, I don't know if you had a date in the front seat. And hey, listen, listen, you know what, man? You, you do what you got to do. Okay. 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 If, she, if she wants to go out to dinner, she'll get in that car with the plastic bag. Okay. All right. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> if you want to go out to dinner. Oh, you had to get class. in on the passenger yeah, hey. side. Huh? Or you would have to get in on the passenger, the passenger side. I would get in. I got on the passenger side. Yeah. I'd get in first. Right. Okay. Then oh. she'd have to get in second. That's a smooth move. Oh, yeah. yeah that's... That's a, I mean, listen, man. When you you got to do what you got to do. Well, you know that what I'm saying, a gentleman? Because you opened the door for her too, kind of. To right? get himself. Yeah, I had to get myself in. Okay, okay. <laughs> listen, listen. All I'm gonna say is, man, I don't wish that on anybody. Yeah. That's that was one of the worst experiences I ever had. And it's it's like it's almost like when you work so hard for something and then someone takes it away from you. Yeah. Like it's just a bad feeling, and that's how it was. I'm guessing the stinger had a doom buggy. Let's hear about it. <laughs> or the no. bike with the banana seat. No. <laughs> he kept sliding back and guys, forth. He kept sliding back and forth with oil. I had I had a nineteen sixty-eight Mercury Cougar. Okay. And is that the kind of car that like Cannon rode in, you know, like the Buddy Epson and uh, uh <laughs> that song? Yeah. like Magana uh, Mannix. It, it actually it had a it, very, very similar to a Ford Mustang. Yeah. Very similar. It was a hard, you know, hard top. But the beauty about this car had a 390 engine in it, and the guy seized the motor, and my dad owned a shop, so we pulled the motor out, and the car literally went off the ground. That's how heavy the, the motor was just huge. I don't even know how they changed the spark plugs. But anyways, we put a Junkyard 302 in it. We, we made it Wimbledon white with turquoise racing stripes. It was turquoise Wimbledon white. Wimbledon white. That was the color. That's the color of it. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I'm learning something new every yeah. time. I never heard that terminology. Yeah, Wimbledon, Wimbledon white. You could have just Wimbledon said white. white. No, you could have just said white. Yeah. This is a white car. Well, if you're in the business. Yeah. Yeah. Wimbledon white. I have a springtime yellow 1966 Mustang currently, but when you're into cars, you know what the colors are. So it was Wimbledon white with turquoise racing stripes. Yeah. So shut up, Chanel. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, That's basically uh, what he just said. I just, shut up in I a nice way. Bjorn Borg playing John McEnroe in all white and Wimbledon white. <laughs> anyways it was it was tricked out it had the hydraulic lights that would flip up you know in in the in the in the back you know those were electric not hydraulic yeah well wait wait get in there tim okay wait a minute bust that bubble what kind of car did your parents give you i got a uh, 73 chevy convertible so it basically had two value city couches in the front and back 
and uh, it was crazy. That there was there was holes in the vinyl, but I never understood the fact that every time I had to stop, especially in the summer, they get a spatula out to get my thighs off the seat. But, uh, Were you riding naked? No, I just had those Larry Bird shorts on. You know, oh, 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 the ball huggers. Yeah, sometimes some stuff. Speaking out. of Wimbledon, <laughs> Wimbledon whites. Yeah, it was not very comfortable. The shorts I'm talking about. Oh my God. Southside. What about your first car? Oh my gosh. Um. Well, on the south side, I had to save my money for my first car. Yeah. And I bought. I. Th- it was um. A cutlass, and it was, you know, um, one of my uncle's cut, my grandfather's cousins died. You know, it was, like an, it was like an old man car. <laughs> it's an old man. Old man car. Wow. But it, but it was, it was so ungrateful. Yeah, no, after I a pirate it. sword. I wasn't ungrateful. I bought what it myself. Was it? it was um, like a, a, like a rust color. <laughs> Uh, well, that's uh, it. Wasn't a rust color; it was just rust. It's just rust, exactly. They call that pea stain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, John, you you invoked you invoked the name of the uh, famous Ford Pinto earlier, and that was the car that famously would explode yeah. in a rear end collision, yeah. which was always nice. My first car was its uh, was its slightly upgraded cousin, the Chevrolet Vega. The Vega, which was, which was very similar. The Vega, and, and I didn't know how to drive a stick shift, but that was what I could afford. So I got this with a with the manual transmission. So here I am trying to learn how to drive this. You know, you know, which was a lot of fun. And we lived across from a neighborhood tap in Milwaukee, and they're they're everywhere. There's corner bars everywhere in Milwaukee. Oh, sure. So you know. Yeah, kind of had to maneuver around to park the car in the back. So if I knew I was going back out, I'd park the car in front, you know, just knowing I was going to go back out. So it was in front of the house, and all of a sudden somebody knocks on the door and I go, uh, "Hate to tell you, but um, somebody hit your car," and and <laughs> some stumble out of the corner, tap, turn, drove around, and basically ripped off the back bumper. Oh, but. The guy actually fessed up to it, and I ended up being able to pocket the insurance money because the car wasn't worth anything anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It was a win-win. Who was the insurance company? American Family Insurance. You're under arrest. Fraud. You're under arrest for fraud. I work for American Family. American Family Insurance. Just like your NCAA fraud. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. There you go. Throw me under the bus again. I'm going to get a call from NCAA. Hey, you know what? I think this is a good time to just... Just ease on into on the download because Stacy has another car story to tell about when you join the Bulls and some nefarious things going on at a dealership. You, know, <sighs> you, you feel comfortable telling that story? Is the statute of limitations up on that one? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, which one? With the with the stereo. The with stereo. the stereo. Oh! Oh! This is on the down low, so you know system. they won't hear about it. Oh man. Okay. So so <laughs> I, I I get to the NBA. And it took me it took me about two years to get the dream car that I wanted. I shout out to the late Ricky Dixon, uh, University of Oklahoma, free safety, all American, played uh, NFL in the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I was a good friend of mine in college. When I used to go to his dorm room, um, he was older than me, so I used to go to his dorm room, hang out in the summertime. Okay, let's get to the car. Shut up, oh. man. Okay, okay, okay. So you know what? I'm about ready to mute your mic. Okay. Anyway, anyway, that's why I was really interrupted by Larry the Lobster over there. Um, so he had this picture, a poster on his wall of a, a 560 SEC. And then, so he says, when I get to the NFL, this is the car I'm going to get. It was red. And he said, the difference is I'm going to cut the top off. So it was a 560 coupe. Mercedes SEC, and I thought that was the sweetest car. 
Like, I didn't even know what a Mercedes was coming from where I'm coming from. I didn't know what that was. So, but when I saw it, I'm like, man, that is a cool car. So then he got to the NFL and he bought it. He comes back to OU my senior year. He rolls up. He's got the crimson and cream Mercedes oh, nice. Benz with the with the with the white top cut off, and it was the coolest car I'd ever seen. And I go, when I get to the NBA, I'm getting that car. So I get to the NBA. I waited two years to get it because I got a Blazer when I first came to Chicago because of because of the snow and stuff. But my second year, I wanted a cool car, so I got the Mercedes 560 SEC. And so it, when I got it, it was just plain Jane. So I had to trick it out, you know. I had to do. I had to. I had to put all the bells. Hey, you're in an NBA on. player. Got to do it. Yeah, sure. you know. And, and that's just my style. I mean, I was tricking it out when I didn't have money when I was in college. <laughs> so that was just my style. So, um, I got the AMG kit on it, the ground effects on it, which is sweet. Put the big fin on the back. Um, had the the booming system in it. Cost me like fifteen grand for this system. Okay. Only two places in the country put it in at the time. It was in Ohio, and then it was in California. So it was a unique. Uh, system. The BBS rims? Yeah, and the rims. And I mean, the whole car, I mean, Tim will tell you, it was a sweet car. You know, we had the lamb cover seats in there. (laughs) And I I remember the cell phones, the uh, cell phones first came out. The car phones just came out. (laughs) And so I remember, yeah, no, mine wasn't a brick. Mine was nice. I had like a regular, (laughs) yeah, yeah, mine was nice. I had that that big brick that weighed 10 pounds. I never had one of those. Gordon Gecko. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) The one you could use as a weapon, smack somebody in the head with it. So so I, I remember getting this phone in my car with this stereo system. And the first thing I did is call my mom. Okay. So I call my dude. Are you driving? No, no, I'm, I'm parked. Don't interrupt me. So I'm parked. I'm parked. She used the voice. Baby. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what she said. So I'm calling. I'm calling. Ding, ding, ding. You know, so this is my first long distance call in my car. First call from my car. So, and she goes, uh, hello. And I said, mama, guess what? And she said, baby, what are you doing? And I said, I'm calling you from my car phone. Wow. And she said, she goes, she goes, what? A car phone? You got a you got a phone in your car? And I go, yes, it's cool. That's I can so call cute. you. And I said, this is so awesome. I can call you. And it was so cool until I got the bill. Ooh. Yeah, when I got the bill, that's when I realized it wasn't cool anymore because it was like that's when it was expensive. Three times like, sure. Yeah, yeah. It was like, man, you're talking like one for one minute. It was like thirty bucks. So I'm like, am I? You remember seeing that commercial? Uh, <laughs> Happy holidays from the Hendersons. <laughs> remember that commercial? Oh, yeah, man, yeah, when they I couldn't talk. That. Remember yeah. that one? Yeah. That's how I was. I love you, mom. Got to go. Click. You know. So it was like five seconds worth. You know. But it was awesome. So this stereo system I had in there. Um, you know, it was very expensive. It was unique, and it had a joystick. Everything was controlled by the joystick. So, like, if someone would have broke into my car, I could actually, the car would call me on yeah. my cell phone, and I could actually talk to the people in the car <laughs> and say, hey, you know, you're in my car right now, right? And they, they, the person would be like, oh, they'd be scared. Like, Who, where's this voice coming from? You got five seconds to get out that car. I'm coming out with some hot lead right now. I'm in the trunk. Yeah, I'm coming right now. And so if that, if that ever, it never happened. No one ever broke into my car until... Until I take my car in, I go to, I'm not going to even say the dealer's name. Yeah, you probably but, don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah but I took, it, I took it out over over in, in Highland Park. That's it all I'm going to say. It rhymes with. Hush, oh, don't say anything. <laughs> don't say anything. So, so, yeah, so I take it over there. <laughs> and so the, the guy tells me, I said, I'm going out of town. I'll be gone for a few days. Is it okay it's going to be here? He goes, oh, no, it'll be a secure lot. I said, look, man, you got to keep it inside. 
He goes, oh, no, don't worry about it. Stay, we'll keep it inside, yada, yada. So I'm like, cool. So I'm, I'm going away. I'm, I'm at a Mercedes dealership. I feel confident, you know. Normally, I go to MotorWorks, but MotorWorks are so far out the way. So I'm like, oh, I'll just go to this place. So I go to this place. I leave. I go on my trip. And I come back and I call when I get back to Chicago. I said, hey, is, you know, can I pick my car up? Yeah. You know, because my car, that particular car of mine was always in storage during the winter. So it never saw the snow. It never saw if if I saw rain, I uh, made a U turn went back in the garage. That's how that's how, how much I love that car. So I called this person up. I said, "Hey, can I get my car? I'm, I'm in town. I'm gonna, I want to come get it." And it's summertime, you know. He's like, uh, "Well, uh, we're still working on it." <laughs> and I'm like, oh, "It was just in there for a tune up, oil change." I mean, <laughs> what are you talking? He's still how working on it. Take, yeah, how yeah. long does it take? He's like, oh, "We'll call you back." So like a couple days pass, and I'm you know I kind of forgot about it. a couple days pass. And then, you know, my wife's like, well, where's your car? Are you going to go get your car? And I'm like, oh, damn, I forgot about it. I got to call him. <laughs> so I called a guy up and uh, I said, hey, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I, can I get my car? It's like been, you know, longer than it should be there. Yeah, um, let, let me call you back. So now it's the second time when you when someone tells you, let me call you back, <laughs> that's when you know yeah. something is wrong. Ooh. So I got in my car. I drove off to Highland Park. I went to the dealership. I said, now, what's wrong with my car? So the guy goes, well, uh, Mr. King, uh, we got some bad news. And I, and I said, okay, like, what's the news? And he's like, uh, we got some good news, we got some bad news. Which one do you want to hear first? And I said, well, what's the good news? Because I hate to hear the bad news first. Yeah, so I was like, yeah. What's the good news? Well, your car's here. <laughs> it's here. <laughs> it's here. It's on the lot. It's here. So I'm like, okay, that's a good thing. And I thought he was going to tell me it was stolen or something. It's, yeah. like, it's a good thing. I said, what's the bad news? Well, we had a break in uh, this weekend, and um, they uh, broke into your car and they they kind of stole all the stereo equipment out of it. So I said, "What? What? Like how? I, what? <laughs> how in the world does that happen at a dealership? Okay, where where was the car? Was it parked out on the street, yeah. like outside in the front of the dealership? Yeah. Wasn't it like inside? Like I asked you, well, we had too many cars and we had to move some cars to the outside. So I said, well, where was my car parked at? So they said, oh, we had it in a secure lot, and they had the big fences and with the barbed wire. Yeah. So I said, so you're telling me that someone on the outside jumped over a barbed wire fence, got over over into your lot, no other cars were broken into but mine. Okay, so that that right there told me it was an yeah. inside job. I mean, I don't have to be, you know, Cannon or Barnaby Jones to realize that that was an inside job. <laughs> it was rock fire. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so the guy was like, well, no, no one would do that here. I said, dude, I go, you're telling me there's 20 cars out here and my car was the only one that got broken into. So now I started doing homework. So BJ tells me, he said, hey, King, I saw your car over at the, <laughs> so he says, he, he goes, I thought I saw your car over at the car wash. Cause he, he got, you know, he was over getting his car detailed over in Honda Park. And he goes, but the license plates were different. Cause I had NWA on my plates. And um, he was like, well, that's why I didn't think it was yours. But I, I kind of walked around. I was like, man, that's, that's Stacy's car. It just changed the license plates. Oh, so that's when I knew something happened. So what happened was somebody in their, in their business, took my car off the lot, switched the plates so that they wouldn't recognize that it was gone, drove it off somewhere to some chop shop, and they completely gutted out my whole stereo system. They took the, the, the base and everything out of the trunk. I mean, everything was gone. And the crazy thing about it was they couldn't even use it. 
it was a waste of time trying to get it because that particular stereo system, if you don't know what you're doing and you don't know, it's not like everybody could have put that system in. There's only two places in the country that did it. And you would have to either go out to California or Ohio where I got it done to get it done. So whoever got it was just a wasted thing, but they just, you know, they tore my car. But then they try to tell me, <laughs> they try to tell me, well, we're not responsible. <laughs> Too bad your phone yeah. didn't call you. <laughs> Somebody stealing the stereo equipment. Hey, you know what? Hey, you know what? Hey, you know what? Hey, you know what? I didn't have the keys, buddy. Okay. And you, since you want to be a smart butt over there, okay. So they they try to devalue the, the cost. When I told them how much it cost, showed in the receipt. There's no way in the world stereo system costs this much. I said, yeah. If you're walking around with an eight track tape, yeah, that, your course is not going to cost that. But this is a this is a a a you know a superior sound system. Here's the receipt. You can call the company. This is what it costs. So we literally were fighting this this, and then it, they had a nerve to tell me to read the the service paper because you know they always have something on the end of the paper. Yeah, we're not responsible. You can't even see unless you get a magnifying glass Six to read it. Font. Yeah, and it says like it'll say something like if you don't pick the car up within 24 hours after it's done, we're not responsible. So they try to use that route. So then I had to tell them, must I pull your man and take him to court <laughs> and put him on the stand and have him tell yeah. you that the the general manager told me that my car was safe here, that um, I could leave it here? Do I have to do that? And then basically they had to pay for it. So in long, you know, to end the long story, I ended up getting my stereo system put in. It cost them more to put it in the second time than it did the first time. It was like 20, 21,000 to do it. So the model of the story is you should have gone to MotorWorks. Yeah, you know, you know the looking the, for a sponsor. You know what? You know MotorWorks of Barrington. You know right? what? The, the, the moral of the story is the moral of the story is is stay there with your car, and then when it's done, take it home. <laughs> don't don't leave it longer than uh, longer than what you have to leave yeah. it there. That's the moral of the story. Absolutely. Well, we were going to talk about a lot of things, but the show is going a little bit longer. It's going longer? So, you know what? You know, people can take their uh, NCAA brackets, they can ball them up and throw them in the basket because eight out of nine Big Ten teams are out. We thought Illinois might make a run to the Final Four. They got knocked out by Loyola. Sister Jean maybe uh, taking more of the national spotlight as the Ramblers have a pretty open path now to get to the Final Four. Rambling man, yeah. I don't see anybody beating Gonzaga. No, I'm sorry. They beat they, you Sooners uh, yesterday. I, I didn't go game? to Oklahoma. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, I went to Gonzaga. We won. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, the mean streets of Norman, Oklahoma. Hey, listen, man. I didn't go to OU. Stop saying that. Okay. All right. I told you I went to Gonzaga. We won. Gonzaga, we're we're won, also going to have to table John's talk about his hockey cards. We'll save that for next week. Oh, and thank uh, God. we'll also talk more Woo! about some childhood thank games God. next week. Yeah, because we do have a wiffle ball challenge out yeah. there when it gets a little warmer oh, out outside the studio here. You're oh, going to bring the heat, huh? Yeah, so it's, it's not going to be. Listen, listen, man. It's going to be one, two, three. Listen, man. You know that? Listen. Good morning, good afternoon, listen, good night. In the speed bag. <laughs> yeah, he, he, yeah. Hey, listen, he sent me a video uh, yesterday, right? <laughs> feeling it, was the most, it was the most disturbing video I've ever <laughs> yeah. seen. So I get a text from it's him. It's on YouTube. You know, he texts me all the time. Is it on YouTube? Yeah, we put it okay. up. Okay. So, no, 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 we did. No, no, no. Okay, well, please don't. So speed bag. Yeah, so he texts me, right? And so he's 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 at the speed bag. So, you know, John is a guy that works out. 
out, you know. Feverishly. Uh, yeah, he works out. Yeah, you know, he swims laps, you know, in, in a thong. But, he, you know, he works out. So, anyway. <laughs> thong. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so his Speedos, you know, you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, yeah. He, doesn't, he, he hates to wear clothing. That so, would be a man code yeah, violation. Yeah, man code violation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 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 he's at the speed bag. And as he's getting ready to hit the speed bag, he's looking, he's looking and talking to me in the camera. And then he hits, hey, he, hits the, he hits the, he hits the, he hits the Rocky Balboa. Uh, I had the tiger, the survivor. I had the tiger. Dun, 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 dun. And then he starts hitting the bag. Boom, 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 boom. I'm hitting it too. And I don't want to say all that, but he was hitting the bag. Okay, he's in the bag. Then he did some. He did some like one arm push ups, and oh, he, he no, barely could get up. He could barely heavy get bag. up. Heavy he bag. had one arm push ups. Say, we got to get the video of this. We got to get the video of this. And then he was chasing like chickens around the backyard, like Rocky did. <laughs> he was trying to catch it. King, look, lightning! I'm fast. King, look at this. And he's chasing little chickens around the backyard. I said, this has gone too far. Where is Southside Susan? Susan, do not leave this man at the house. Susan was downtown uh, in the city, and she home. left him at the house by herself, and this man had a rocky moment. I was he getting ready for razor blades. Oh, I was getting you guys right. fired up. Oh, for and, and he oh. capped it off with a Chuck Swirsky victory dance. Oh, oh. Did you see the one he did? Oh. Ohio oh. University got the upset in the first round of the NCAA. He did a dance. That was something. That's, you know, the dance ain't for everybody. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> And our boy Rich is the guy who's got a video tape that. So, Rich. He's forced to do you're, that. You're a good soldier. You want a job, Rich? Film me dancing. <laughs> we want to thank Chicago's very own Curtis Razorblade Razor. for joining us. He was a fantastic guest. We wish him well in his upcoming bouts. Tim reliving some painful memories of his MMA career there as well. Flashbacks. Episode 21 of the Gimme Hot the Hot Sauce podcast Tip out! Tip out! in the book. Look forward to seeing you again next week. Drive home safely. Give me the hot sauce. Sriracha. Saucy. <laughs> 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 <laughs>